Hey everybody, C-Note here. Welcome to the C-Note Audio Extravaganza. It's uh, Tuesday, August uh, 8th. I have to pull down the thing to see that. Because I don't ever know what day it is. I have no idea. I just kind of wake up and go and keep doing things. That's just kind of how it... One day at a time, it just keeps on moving. And before you know it, you're old. That's just kind of what happens. Uh, yeah, so welcome... And, uh, I don't even know what we're going to talk about today. I haven't really done anything. Um, yesterday, uh, well, I started this video for a conference that we're doing in October that is kind of beach-themed. It's in Coronado. Um, so I started putting that together, put the, put some fun music, and, uh, mixed some footage that I shot with some, like, aerial footage of San Diego, some beach scenes and stuff. It's kind of lovely. It's, it's, like, but also kind of basic, nothing too crazy. So I'm trying to add some little bits of flair here and there. Um, I've been a little out of it the past few days, so it's been really hard to work. And I'm just kind of pushing things a little bit out of the time at a time. The nice thing is that like my the expectations of me at work are kind of high, but also low. It's kind of hard to describe. Um, they know that I'm very capable, uh, and they're also looking forward to seeing more and more of what I can do for them. But at the same time, um, they're under the impression that a lot of that stuff takes a lot of time. And it does in many forms, but sometimes it doesn't. If I'm at my best, I can knock out things super quickly. But when I'm at my worst, it takes a while. And honestly, I pull away from my work a lot and um, can't really focus. So luckily, there's a nice balance there. And um, I think that's really what I've needed in a job, personally. Um, I've had struggles with previous jobs because uh, I often need to walk away or I, I have, you know, some mental health issues that keep me from focusing much of the time. And I know it sounds like an excuse, but it's something I've dealt with since I was like eight years old. So let's, let's kind of get over that, get over it mindset because it's, it's not that. <laughs> it's a little more difficult than that. Um, and really, I think that's something I wanted to talk about today was uh, some, some mental health stuff, uh, combating the stigma, sort of helping people, you know, maybe if you're listening to this and you're, you're trying to be an entrepreneur and like me and not really getting anywhere because you feel like you get a couple steps ahead and then you fall into a terrible funk and everything just kind of washes clean and you have to start over. That's how I feel a lot of the time. Uh, I'll make, I'll get a lot of momentum and then it just kind of dies because I can't keep it up. That sounds terrible. But <laughs> uh, there's no pill for that. Um, well, supposedly there are pills for that, but anyway. Um... I don't even know what I'm talking about. So today I wanted to talk about some mental health issues uh, because my overall energy level is low, but right now I'm kind of in a manic state. So it's like this, it's depressed, but restless, which I think is worse than just straight depression because it, it comes off as being energetic and focused and you get a lot of things done. And then it gets to the point where the energy level soars too high and you can't control it anymore like you feel jittery and um, you just can't stop it 
uh, you have to kind of take downers. Like I try to avoid caffeine, which I should. I haven't done that the past few days. Um, avoiding caffeine is is kind of a good way to to keep me level. So I'm gonna try to maybe do that and uh, calm myself a little bit, and that'll help. So for for a little bit of backstory. Um, when I was a kid, I did a lot of research on manic depression, and I was like, oh, that's me. And <laughs> over the years, um, basically the last 20 years, have, have kind of confirmed that that's the case. Um, I'm not clinically uh, diagnosed with any of that, so take that with a grain of salt, as you will. Uh, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I'm no professional, so let's let's get that out of the way. And I'm on the road to get that kind of figured out. So it's either either have manic depression, which is bipolar, or cyclothymia, and we'll go into that in the next segment. So yeah, my backstory here is um, ever since I, I was a kid, I read um, what was the first book I read about it? It was uh, an Unquiet Mind, which was a very popular book at the time, but. Um, I remember relating that to that in a way that felt scary. Um, so, so I continued to explore that, and uh, really throughout the years, it confirmed that that's the case. Um, now, there's no actual confirmation in terms of clinically, like I said in the, at the end of the last segment, but uh, I'm on the road to figure that out. Uh, I had seen a therapist for the past year, and she seems to be under the impression that it's more like cyclothymia, which is more of a steady change in mood, um, almost like the, the cliche perception of what a period is, that for like a week a woman is miserable, which is not always the case. It's home, it's, that's, a, that's a nonsensical thing to, to assume. But it's the best description that I can think of. Um, and it's, it's often longer than that. So it's like, for me, it's about three to four weeks of kind of feeling one way, and then three to four weeks of kind of feeling another way. And then really somewhere in between, maybe like a week or two, I've got a period where I'm pretty level and I feel good and uh, everything's going all right. And then it's never until it kind of comes creeping in again that you're like, oh, I took those moments for granted. And it's, uh, it has been pretty cyclical. Um, I haven't really mapped it out, and I probably should. That would be interesting. But it, I, I can never really tell that it's coming until I'm, like, in it. Uh, that's, that's the hard part. You know, I have to kind of assume the time when it started. Um, sometimes it can be a trigger situation where um, something happens, uh, you know, fighting with my wife or... Uh, some sort of big annoyance at work or something, um, so something to that effect, or maybe like a political thing, or like friends fighting, or I don't know, something, or I feel like I'm just not getting the amount of work done that I need to, um, or sometimes the dogs annoy me too much at home or something, and um, it just triggers that stuff, and everything compounds, and then you, you end up in the next mental state. So, cyclothymia is essentially a switch between manic and depressive states, but in a more rhythmic fashion, whereas bipolar, or bipolar 2, is a little less controlled, 
because I'm still high functioning. Uh, it's not like I black out and go on this manic tirade. Um, it's more so like that's what bipolar would be is someone might not necessarily have control um, over those moods. And it could be more so triggered by things like loud noises, which I feel very sensitive to also, but may not necessarily be triggered extensively by that. Um, so, but you know, that's always tricky to explain because it's just like, you know, there's that, that word triggered is always like treated with an eye roll and, uh, it's kind of obnoxious the way that people treat it. Like, Oh, these kids are triggered. It's like, no, it's, it's way more fucking complicated than that. So stop being an asshole just because you don't understand. Um, I wish more people in the world would, would be okay saying that they don't know something. That drives me nuts. That they're just like assuming that someone's being a baby or that someone's being an asshole. And instead of saying, well, I don't really know what's going on, so I'll just leave it be. You know, let people figure it out themselves. Because I don't fucking know. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, I apologize. This episode's going to be a little disjointed. I'm just kind of talking. Um, so uh, the next segment, I kind of want to talk about how the manic stuff, really manic and depressive side, all of it, has sort of affected how I've, how I've sort of grown from that, but how it's affected relationships or family or professional stuff. Um, cause it has been difficult and I would like to create some sense of empathy for people who've never heard of this stuff before and also give people hope that there are other people out there that feel this stuff. Um, cause that's a big thing. So I've, I've struggled with a lot of things that are sort of presented to me in terms of predefined stuff, like the predefined path that a lot of people go down. Um, when that stuff has been presented to me throughout life, I've failed miserably at them. <laughs> um, whether it's been like the way relationships should be or the way you should go about finding a job or college or uh, school. Ever since even elementary school, I've struggled. Like I've, I've never been good at following rules and following the system. And um, I'll do really great for a while and then I'll just fall apart. And it was always hard for people to understand or it was hard to really explain to people what that really was. Um, you know, usually people would just be like, I expect better of you because there were a lot of high expectations put on me, um, whether it be from my parents or, you know, people would see that potential for a while. They would see like, oh, you're really smart and you're really driven and you get a lot of things done. And, um, I would often get frustrated by how slow the system was by other kids who would hold things back and I'd be forced to just sit there and wait for them to catch up and that would put me into a slow situation where I just couldn't focus and I couldn't get anything done. So for the most part, throughout most of my school career, I was pretty lazy. I kind of gave in, gave like half my effort and that was really, um, it was really frustrating because, you know, there are certain expectations about how you should go about things. And particularly, um, 
because my parents are from out of the country. They're from Puerto Rico, which is considered part of the Americas, but it's very different. Um, it's like being from another country. So they have that immigrant mentality where it's like, you know, you got to work hard, you got to get good grades, you got to do that stuff. And I was just, I just felt like a failure because I wasn't meeting those expectations. Um, and you know, it's, 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 it's tricky. You know, my parents also kind of understood that the system doesn't necessarily work, uh, for everybody. So they were a little bit sympathetic of that stuff too, which was kind of helpful. But at the same time, uh, you know, going to school every day, you have to kind of be within that system and, and make it work. And, um, I was just doing enough to get by because I knew that I had to get through it and I had to keep moving, <laughs> even though I, I knew I didn't want to be there. Uh, same thing with college. I went into it very determined and then I failed one class and then that just snowballed. Um, I failed so many classes in my college career, um, but I kept pushing through. And that's the one thing that having this, having cyclothymia, if that's exactly what this is, has helped me do is is realize that despite these difficulties, I have to continue to push through. It's kind of like being in a marathon and then suddenly you hit a section where there's like a whole bunch of mud. You have to continue to keep going or you're just going to be stuck in the mud. Um, sounds like such a cliche um, thing to say, but you have to find a way to push through it. Like you, you have to find a way to, to realize that there are bigger forces in life beyond yourself. Um, that you need to push for. Uh, and, and maybe even yourself is enough reason to do that. You know, I, I wanted certain things in life. You know, I wanted to be better than the expectations that were thrust upon me from my environment. You know, I grew up in Northeast Philly and it's a very like blue collar union town in a way. Like there are just a lot of people who do the basics in life. And I just wanted more than that. I'm not saying that that's wrong, that they want that. But that's not what I wanted. I, I always wanted more. And I, I think I'll always want more. I'll never be satisfied. <laughs> um, but um, I, I wanted a different life. So I knew that despite how I felt, I had to continue to push through that, even though I couldn't quite... I felt like I couldn't give my best effort. It's not that I didn't want to. I just literally felt like I couldn't. Like, I, I was... You know, just like when you're in the mud, you can't run 20 miles an hour because you can't. There's mud. <laughs> it's hard. Um, so, I mean, that's the that's the best way to describe it. Um, and let's let's move on to more uh, personal stuff. Oh boy! All right, next section: uh, relationships. I'm not going to get too detailed. I'm going to try my best to keep it as vague as possible. Um, no names, no, none of that stuff. Um, relationships have always been difficult. Whether that's, I'm going to include like parents and close friends and things like that. Um, relationships have been difficult because I, in a lot of ways, want more attention than normal and then in other ways, want less attention than normal. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's it, the cyclical nature of it is very frustrating. It's hard to keep up with. Um, the expectations of what a relationship requires, it feels like that book is written differently for me, or has been, or it's been hard to figure out. Um, 
I feel like I had a, I basically had a situation that was kind of like laid out for me, meaning, um, it was kind of like a girl next door kind of situation, you know, it was something where you, if I chose to like stay in Philly and if I didn't have these lofty dreams and didn't have this mental struggle, um, and, and didn't have difficulties in many areas in life, that would have been a very clear-cut, easy path. You know, that could have been something where I stayed with her, I was good to her, I married her, and life would be fine. Uh, you know, sans mental illness and all that stuff. And again, I want to clarify, that's not saying I'm unhappy with my current life. I am happy with my current life. I'm unhappy with my brain. <laughs> I'm happy with my current life. Um, point. The point I want to get at is that um, relationships have been difficult. Um, I, particularly with different types of people. I mean, when I the, that that person I was referencing is a very stable kind of by the book kind of person. Um, you know, she's kind of had her life sort of planned out in a way. Uh, and, and that's indicative of a lot of the way that life was in Northeast Philly, like you, and then really in a lot of the world, it's like you, you grow up, you find someone, you get married, you have kids and you have a job and you retire and you die. Like, <laughs> it's very reductive, but, um, that's the way I thought about it and approached it. And it didn't feel like there was a lot of meat there, um, for, for enjoying life. And I guess that's what turned me off about it. Um, and that goes a little bit beyond the mental health stuff. But when I was in that relationship, I think I was lousy to her in a lot of ways because of my mental health. Um, I didn't take care of myself. Um, and I definitely took her for granted. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that that's not the case. But, um, and I was also very snappy in situations where I shouldn't have been. You know, I, I, I was likely disrespectful to her in ways that I'm not happy with, um, verbally, nothing physical, um, because I, you know, I cared about her with all my being, um, but I just felt like I couldn't give that stability that was required at the time. You know, I was 19 years old and I had no idea how I was feeling. Um, you know, you mix the fact that you're just 19 with the idea of dealing with mental issues. And it was hard for me to keep relationships. I was not very good at following up with people. Um, I didn't care enough about people to really maintain relationships. I only kept people around who were understanding and easy to manage. You know, I, I, I didn't really go out of my way to hang out with people. I would ask people to do things, but I didn't really spend as much time as I should have cultivating and keeping relationships. Now, I've got friends that I grew up with that are friends for my, the rest of my life, but there are plenty of people who I've met in passing who were pretty awesome people that I just kind of let slip through my fingers and they're gone forever. Um, people that I probably never will associate with ever again um, because I just didn't care to continue to keep that relationship around or cultivate them. Uh, that is, that's the really tricky part. And I think it's, I think it's worth another section to be honest. So we're going to talk about it more.
So I had another, I had another relationship situation that was, um, good at the time, of course. I mean, I, I assume every relationship is good at the time. So that's not anything new, <laughs> but, um, it was, it was kind of eye-opening because, uh, she was, she was clinically bipolar, but we connected very, very well. And that kind of made me think more about the fact that I should probably get checked out. <laughs> um, not that she was like nuts. Uh, I guess she was a little nuts, but not in a bad way. I mean, I liked that aspect. It was, uh, exciting. It was, um, it was very, it was a stark contrast to the solid foundation of, you know, the girl next door type of thing. Um, and it was a situation that was rocky, but like, I don't know, the appropriate amount of like exciting to be more than, more than what I wanted, I guess. I don't know, for lack of a better word. Um, but that, that really, that relationship and the reason I'm mentioning it, mentioning it, uh, kind of opened my eyes to my susceptibility to situations that might not necessarily be good for me. Um, I think at the time she was good for me. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, but, um, what I'm saying is that around that time, which was kind of like early twenties, sort of college-ish time. And even after I was, uh, done with her, that sounds so fucked up. When I was done with her, like I tossed her aside, um, she left me. <laughs> um, it was kind of a, it was a time in my life where the manic side was way more present. Um, I made a lot of really crazy decisions and went down some weird paths. Um, and it's really my entire twenties where I, I, I attempted to figure out what was really going on. Um, I think there was plenty in life that I was doing that masked it. Um, I was busy all the time and I've always been busy all the time. I always liked that. I was always kind of, that was my way of finding the next high in a way. Um, finding something to just make me feel good all the time. Whether it was like physically or playing poker or making money or, uh, working a bunch of jobs or, uh, going out with friends all the time or binge drinking. Binge drinking was a big problem for me. Um, and just doing things to kind of keep me going. And then I'd have days where I would, I'd have really weeks where I would completely crash and, um, they'll be the complete opposite. Just be useless and kind of be fighting my own mind and fighting my own will to live. That was, um, it was a very difficult thing. And I think what's frustrating about today is something I'll talk about in the next section as well is the frustration that comes with being an adult and still having to fight that. Um, it's one thing when you're a teenager and everybody around you just chalks it off as being a moody teenager. Um, but at a certain point you're like, Oh, something's really, something's really different here. Something's really not right. Um, it's, it's not teenage hormones. It's, it's brain chemicals. There's more going on. Um, so it wasn't really until 
around the time I got married, where I realized that I'm I'm about to reach I'm about to reach the pinnacle of like most people's wants in life. I mean, let's face it, getting married is a dream for a lot of people, and to reach that and still not feel satisfied with life. I was very satisfied at the prospect of getting married and marrying my wife. I'm incredibly lucky to have found her. Um, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's so cliche, but it, it's absolutely true. Um, but still, despite all of those things, still feel terrible. Um, means that there's just something bigger to be explored. Um, and it's tricky. I, th I think that's a lot of the frustration that people deal with much of the frustration that people deal with is realizing that the things that make other people happy don't make you happy. And it's kind of fucked up. So to bring the story to modern day, you know, it, it is the most frustrating today, I think, more than any other time. Uh, because you just feel like it should stop by now. <laughs> I mean, in one hand, on one hand, you feel like you get good at it, meaning you get stronger. You do get stronger at dealing with it, but at the same time, the feeling doesn't change. It almost feels like the feeling gets stronger itself, or you're getting weaker. I, I can't really tell one or the other. It's almost like, I, I think when you're a kid, you're fueled by a lot of your future goals and things like that. And you can still kind of push through it and figure things out if you're that kind of person. When you get to a stage where you feel like you've accomplished a lot in life, um, it's quite literally hard to figure out what's left to live for. That sounds so terrible to say, but that's the way we think, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, so it's like you're constantly having to find reasons to remind yourself um, as to why you deserve to be here. Um, it's tricky because it's easy for the depressed brain to convince itself that it doesn't need to exist. Uh, and it's, a, it's such a fascinating, weird thing to really think about. Um, and, and it could be triggered by any little thing. It's like you have a fight with your wife to where um, you feel worthless. And it could really drive you down a, a terrible path. You know, it really takes one moment. You know, you think about the, the recent famous suicides, uh, Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington. And they, they are examples of, like, people who have publicly documented and expressed their difficulties with depression, but also have shown that it really takes one moment to make that all go away. And that sounds frightening and terrible, but it's true. Um, it, it's a, it's a difficulty that you have to kind of constantly be aware of, you know, you can't let yourself be vulnerable. Um, if you get to a state where like you feel like everything is good and then suddenly you feel depressed again, you could feel like it's the first time and not know how to deal with it. I'm taking pauses for dramatic effect, but I'm also kind of thinking about it a little bit. Um, 
I know this is like a huge downer, but it's reality, you know, and that's that's why I'm talking about it, because it's it's a reality we need to speak about. And uh, the thing I want to separate from anything else is that mental health difficulties is not about laziness. It's not about not wanting to do something. It's not about not wanting to get out of bed. It's about literally not having the energy to. Uh, it's about... Um, feeling like you're combating your own brain chemistry uh, I think I think I think if we knew more about what uh, depression really was we would be more likely or the people who aren't depressed would be more likely to not take it for granted I feel like with the way I am I am so frustrated at the fact that I am a depressed person because with the energy and the focus and drive that I feel like I can deploy and then I'm constantly held back by this, I get so frustrated and I get so mad at people who are cruising through life and don't have this sort of thing to deal with and just, just take it all for granted. Like when you have, when you literally have your brain fighting against you, trying to convince yourself to end it, you don't take things for granted. I don't take the fact that my wife loves me and cares about me for granted. I have in the past. I'm not gonna lie there. But overall, like, that is a part of my life that I am eternally grateful for. And if I. If I, if I didn't have her, if I didn't have this West Coast life, if I didn't make the big moves that I made, if I didn't, if I don't have this drive to be something bigger than myself, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today. So, what I really implore people to do, and I, I, I'm, I'm only one person. I, you know, I don't have any kind of answers or anything to do anything to, to discuss of really about the topic and like any solutions to offer. Um, I apologize for being a little jumbled. Um, but ultimately I think, I think two, two things should really stick out. One, don't be dismissive to kids who are expressing depression or showing signs of depression. Um, it's easy to chalk it off as kids being kids being hormonal or being moody or being angry and you really shouldn't do that sometimes there's bigger things going on and you need to be receptive to discussing that you know it's silly to get angry at them for being you know for combating this this new new brain chemistry um, I think if you haven't watched the show 13 reasons why you should watch it and think about the course of the show. It starts out with the first few episodes being kind of very teenage-y, and it's almost a little annoying how teenage-y it is, and then it shifts pretty dramatically. Um, and I think that's by design. I, I think it's meant to show that the mental health stuff doesn't necessarily manifest in everyday life. You know, you, you could be talking to anybody that is depressive, that is depressed or dealing with manic issues, and not know it. Um, and that's that's one of the takeaways, is like, you should just be nice to everybody. That's one of the frustrating, so, so, so crazy frustrating things, is that when we deal with 
the loss of a public figure via suicide, everybody goes into the same rants and the same tirades about, like, somebody will say they're a coward, and then somebody else will say they're fighting demons, which it's not demons, it's brain chemistry. Um, and somebody else will say, um, I had it and I lost it, but <laughs> point is, it's the same old stuff, and honestly... Uh, you know, they start sharing, like, suicide hotlines, and, like, if you're feeling depressed, you should call this hotline, blah, 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 blah. That's not really helpful. What's really helpful is being nice to people. It is no matter who you're dealing with, you should do everything you can to be, to be better. To be better than what they expect you to be. To be nice. To be helpful. To not be a jerk. To not be so fucking selfish all the time. I say that with so much frustration in my heart because we feel like if you're a depressed person, it does not qualify you to, does not qualify other people to try to like treat you like you're broken. It's a matter of treating everyone with respect. Um, and, and that's really the best way to keep people from being depressed because a lot of the times my issues with life and with people are are baked into the idea that society is very frustrating, that people are very frustrating. People are very um, selfish and money-driven or greedy or nonsensical, uh, you know, too worried about their own drama, too worried about things that don't matter. Um, and honestly, when you're, when you're fighting for your life every day, you realize that there are so many things that don't matter. They just don't. I've always, you know, I've always had the, the, the privilege, I should say, of, of being a type of person that just doesn't care since I was a kid. And that's part, I think that's part of the depression, but I've seen that as an asset, as like a positive, because it's, I didn't get mixed up in school drama. I didn't get mixed up in people shit. I didn't care. I just didn't care. Like, I, I knew from a young age that I respected my mortality. Like, because I was preoccupied with death so much that I had a greater respect for, for, for life than other people did. And I would look at other people who are dealing with, like, oh, Becky said this shit, or like, oh, this guy wants to fight me. Like, who fucking cares? Like, get over it. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like it's stupid uh, and I always felt like it was stupid um, you know so there are positives and I think there's uh, and the last segment I want to talk about what you can do for yourself uh, I know I said I shouldn't drink caffeine but I kind of want some <laughs> that's, that's always frustrating to deal with um, what was I going to talk about uh, okay yes I wanted to talk about how you, as a depressed person, can be more helpful to yourself because um, I think on one hand there are difficulties that we are dealing with that are unique compared to other people, but that doesn't qualify us to be invalids, you know, to, to be not helpful to ourselves. I think we should take every ounce of energy that we do have and put it into positive things. And making sure that you're not using depression as an excuse to do something that, to do some sort of harm to yourself. You know, I, I did that in my 20s. I 
binge drink a lot. Um, uh, I had a lot of, um, sort of, uh, I had a lot of relationship issues because I was always trying to, like, sleep with people that I shouldn't have been trying to sleep with. And trying to chase high, chase a high in, like, a external way. Whereas you should be looking inward to find things to be, to feel good about. Um, you should be putting energy into positive things like taking care of yourself and probably not drinking and eating healthy and um, things like that. Um, while those things won't necessarily cure your feelings, it will help. And I know it's difficult because you want to satiate every feeling you have with sweets or smoking or uh, sex or drugs, whatever. Um, those are like the low-hanging fruit. Those are the easy things. And what I'm essentially saying is like, you're better than that. Even being a depressed person, you're better than that. You're, you're, I think when you can find a way to separate your depression from who you are as a person, because I always defer to it or refer to it as like a separate entity. Like I feel like it's something that I'm fighting against and not necessarily who I am as a person. I feel like it is something that can be eventually curable, but there's no real understanding of what that could be at the moment. It feels like there, it is something that can be satiated somehow, um, but I, I, I have no idea what that is. But the fact is, like, you do need to take some personal responsibility when it comes to being a depressed person. Um, you know, when you're in a low mental state, you need to take the responsibility to go seek help. You need to go to a therapist. You need to call your mother. You need to call someone who will listen to you. Um, you know, talk to somebody. Don't isolate yourself. Um, and, and be open about who you are because you know, you have to know at this point that there are other people that feel the same way that you do. Um, to some, to some degree. I mean, I think every version of depression is a little bit different only because we're dealing with very different things um, in our lives. So that depression may manifest a little bit differently than somebody else's. But at the same time, I doubt there's anything that a therapist has seen that is new or surprising. Um, and that, that's probably one of the most helpful things is realizing that you're probably not as unique as you think you are. And somebody is able to help you. They're able to talk through it with you. Um, going through therapy was probably one of the best decisions I've ever could, could have made in my life. Uh, it was nice to talk to somebody who really, I mean, I, because I paid them, but she was also very, she was good at listening and giving me sound advice, but also calling me out on my shit, which was good too, because a lot of the times we self-inflict harm way more than we should. You know, we, we're, we're already predisposed to being um, self-deprecating in a situation where we don't need to be. Um, you know, I, I've had the privilege of being a person that doesn't care about a lot of drama and nonsense things that people care about, but there are people who do care. And I imagine for them, it's a lot harder than somebody who doesn't. You know, going back to the 13 Reasons Why thing, like, she was a person in that show that really cared about her social standing and really cared about how her friends felt about her. And that ultimately 
led to negative things for her. Um, so go take responsibility and go get some help. Okay, so this last section is for people who are friends, spouses, mothers and fathers of someone, or cousins, or close friends of someone who is dealing with depression. Um, what can you do? Um, A, don't judge them. B, um, don't allow, don't be an enabler. Uh, if they're feeling depressed, don't offer them a drink. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> offer them an ear, you know, listen to them, talk to them. Um, don't tell them they're crazy. Don't tell them that it's something that will just go away. Don't tell them to get over it. Um, be as supportive as you can. And, um, but also understand that if you're a person that is not capable of, of, of providing that, if you're not empathetic enough to listen to a depressed person, or if you don't have the patience to listen to it or deal with it or, or, or be sympathetic and work through it with them, then defer them to a, um, therapist or a friend or somebody who is better at it. Um, I think you need to understand that you are also an important part of their life. And often that depression becomes worse when they feel like someone that's close to them can't relate to them or doesn't listen to them or scoffs at them when they express themselves or scoffs at their, the things that they enjoy, um, or tries to control them in some way. It's not helpful. Uh, I think, I think you need to ask questions as opposed to try to tell them how to feel. Um, because often you can't change the feeling of it. What you can encourage is for them to get out of bed, to help them. If they're literally saying they have difficulty putting on their shoes, go get their shoes for them. Like you might have to treat them like a baby for a little bit. <laughs> um, but in some ways doing that might feel, make them feel a little embarrassed and might drive them to do those things themselves a little bit as well. Um, again, I, I want to stress that I am not a professional in any sense. I've done a lot of reading, but it's also, I'm just speaking from experience that it is, um, it's just important to be caring, you know, to actually be a friend, uh, and to like think beyond yourself for a little bit to realize that this person is dealing with the depths of reality, um, the difficulties that come with existing and they're distracted by it. They're, they can't do anything else, but focus on that. Um, so sometimes maybe they need to be reminded of the positive things in life a little bit. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, about focusing on what you have versus what you don't have. Sometimes, sometimes that's a bigger struggle. Sometimes that's beyond depression as well. Um, because a lot of people who aren't depressed focus on that stuff too. They focus on the next thing that they need as opposed to enjoying what they currently have. You know, it's like, it's like giving a kid a toy and then they play with it for five minutes and then they want another toy. Um, you really need to, you know, talk to them about gratitude and trying to find ways to be 
grateful for the things they do have in life. Um, that's ultimately what helps me. Uh, even if I am dealing, you know, swimming against the tide, it seems. I'm grateful for the life that I have, for my wife and my house and my friends and my work. And I have a lot of supportive people that I work with. And I'm lucky to be talented in some ways. And I'm lucky to be an intelligent person um, to some degree. <laughs> um, I'm lucky to as much as it's depressing and difficult, I am lucky to understand or feel like I'm willing to explore the depths of reality and the depths of um, concepts and and um, thinking deeper about social issues and, and, and looking beyond the surface and being willing to say I don't know and um, being willing to to keep going despite feeling like I'm being crushed by an elephant on my chest. You just got to keep moving. So if you've made it this far, I really appreciate it. I thank you for listening. I know this was a very difficult episode. It was um, a lot of... It was a, hu- it was a huge downer. It was a very big downer. Not going to lie. I should have maybe prefaced it with that. But I did tell you what would, what was going to happen and what we're going to talk about. And this is very real stuff. This is very real stuff that I deal with, that many people deal with. Um... It exists, and it's not just people being whiny or difficult or triggered. Hashtag triggered. Stop with that nonsense. And um, just finding uh, the unconventional path through life, because the life that's laid out for us doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Um, Like I said, I could have gone through a very conventional life where I just stayed in my hometown, married the girl that I've known since fourth grade, and had a pretty straightforward life. Um, but I didn't do that. I went a different path because my brain wanted me to do that. <laughs> um, part of part of it's part genetic also, but um, I just we all want different things in life and we need to understand that we need to do things for us. We need to do um, what what we want, what, suits us. We have the freedom to do that. We're lucky to do that. Um, many people don't have the freedom to do that. And I think we need to realize that and put that thing into perspective as well. Um, it's about perspective and gratitude and realizing that you're not an invalid, that you can take care of yourself in a lot more ways than you think you can. Um, you know, get help, seek therapy, talk to your mom, call people, call someone every day, make a friend somehow, go join a group, um, find, some group that forces you to get out and do things. Don't isolate yourself. If you're feeling terrible, the last thing you want to do is isolate yourself. I know you want to lay in bed and not do anything and watch Netflix all the time. Sometimes it's good for a little bit, but if you're feeling like you don't know if you're going to survive to the next day, then you need to talk to somebody. You need to be around somebody. You know, maybe just a friend who's willing to, like, cuddle with you if you're not with somebody. Um, If you have a a spouse or, yeah, if you have a spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, you should be sure to choose someone that is emotionally supportive. Um, Don't put up with a situation where they're not helpful to you, they're not supportive of you, that they're telling you your feelings are wrong. Um that's not helpful for you or anybody. 
uh, if you are the friend of somebody or spouse, uh, you need to be that supportive person, whether it's actually sitting and listening or, or going to you know, taking them to a therapy session or, or helping them in little ways, um, and, and make them not feel like a burden. Um, I think that's the difficult part also. It's like a lot of people don't express themselves or, or, or don't express their, um, their depression, their depressive side, because they feel like it's a burden on other people and we don't like to talk about it. Um, so ultimately I would like everyone to be nice to people and just be nice to everybody, no matter who they are. If you think they're depressive or not, be nice to people because you never know what kind of shit they're dealing with. Um, when people commit suicide, they're not cowards. They're dealing with forces beyond anything you've ever dealt with in your life. So don't judge, um, because that makes you probably one of the biggest pricks in the world. Um, and just be there for people. Give to people. Stop worrying about yourself so much. Um, don't worry about shit that doesn't matter. And just just help help each other. Listen to each other. Be there for people. Um, that's way more helpful than some 1-800 number. Um, yeah, just go to therapy. Take care of yourself. Um, so I'm dealing with my own difficulties, but I've gone through it and I'll push through it again. And it's nice to talk about it. And I appreciate that you guys listen to this and are willing to listen and, um, are very helpful to me. So if you have any questions, feel free to call in, uh, or DM me on Instagram or Twitter at rival my design. Uh, also rival my or hi, my name is Christian.com. Sign up for a newsletter and all that good stuff. I'll talk to you later.